This is Trans-Africa Radio. Trans-Africa Radio. Made in Africa. In Between the Sheets with Tiffany. It is me. I am back in the building and I'm starting a little early because my ass is impatient. Also, have I ever played that much of that song? That is It's Complicated Part 2 by Tandine Tuli, who is such an incredible human, such an incredible human. But she is not the topic of conversation today. No, 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 no. She is not because I am in bed. By myself, by myself again, by myself. Because sometimes, like the way I keep saying, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? And you are tuned in to Trans Africa Radio. This is your host, Tiff in the Streets, your Empress from the East. And this right here is Between the Sheets. I am really, really excited to be back in the studio because I was not here last week. And the week before that, there were so many people in the studio. I couldn't even just like sit and chill and kick it. But now I am here by myself. I'm going to play all the weird music that I want to play. I'm going to jam out how I want to jam out. But before we kick off, let me tell you, as per usual, what the social media platforms are. So number one, we have got the Twitter. You know, everybody loves Twitter. Everybody loves Twitter. And on Twitter, we are TransAfrica872. I personally uh, am at Tiff Mugo, right? No, no numbers, just at Tiff Mugo. And of course, there's the Instagram. And on the Instagram, it's TransAfrica Radio. So simple. And I am at Kags Mugo. But this show has its own Instagram because, you know, Instagram stay kicking things off. And I can't be messing around with TransAfrica's like main Instagram account because I know what it's like to be blocked. So this Instagram account is the sheets under slash show. T-H-E-S-H-E-E-T-S under slash show. Yes. So now I, I guess we should just like dive right in, dive right in. And diving right in actually works because today we are talking about drum roll. Squirting, yes, like squirting. This thing that people don't know if it exists, don't know if they've peed, don't know if they've done what. Like my own personal like experience with squirting is the first time I did it, I was like, what has happened? I actually kicked who I was sleeping with out of my house because I thought I'd peed my bed. And I'm like, Mm-mm, that is not the energy I'm like bringing here right now. And it took them, it took the person I was sleeping with later to be like, no, you didn't squirt, you, you didn't pee, you just squirted. So today we're going to be talking about squirting and we're going to ta- tackle a whole bunch of stuff, right? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I always forget to tell people that you can WhatsApp me. Did you know that you can WhatsApp me? Yeah, like while I'm sitting here in the stew, if something moves your soul, you can always WhatsApp me at plus two seven seven nine two five four four three two nine. That is plus two seven seven nine two five four. 
4329. So back to the topic at hand. The myth of squirting. So number one, let's just dispel the first thing. It is not even a myth. It is like a true thing. And the female slash vulva-based orgasm has actually been based in myth for a long, long time. Like it was something that was discovered. It was discovered. Scientists actually went out there and they were like, hey, we think this thing exists kind of like the top of Everest or other lands or, you know, some deep sea fish and we're going to go looking for it, right? So the female orgasm, number one, we need to know that it's not a unicorn because I saw this thing on Instagram. Was it Twitter? Oh, I just saw the love of my life. Bye, boo. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I just saw the love of my life, you know, work husband. But anyway, back to the female orgasm throwing me clean off my game. So it was actually discovered. And number one, we just need to say it's, it's not a unicorn because like the way I was saying, I saw this thing on the internet where somebody was like, yeah, no, women don't actually orgasm. I know that this is like a, a false post because my wife has never orgasmed in 30 years. So this person was like commenting under somebody else's post about the female orgasm. So I'm going to give you, because you know I love history, you know I love studies, you know I love figuring all these things out. I am going to give you the top five moments in history that surrounded the female orgasm. There have been five big moments, apparently, according to like those people in the know, right? So number one was the medieval times. So during this time, female orgasms were seen to be required. So the idea was like female genitalia and male genitalia were just reverses of each other. And so, you know, in order to have a baby, right, the man must orgasm. So they thought, yeah, the woman must orgasm as well. And they must do something akin to the man, like some sort of weird ejaculation thing in order for a baby to happen. So it wasn't really like a pleasure thing. This wasn't like some Roman lying in like wine and grapes and being massaged thing. It was like practical. In order to have a baby, both parties must orgasm, right? Because it was expected because the female genitalia was seen as, an, as introverted. So that means that the woman had to orgasm in order to have a baby. Time number two in history, the 1800s. Now, this was all about hysteria. I watched this great movie, um, which apparently is not completely historically accurate, but hey, what is, right? And it's called Hysteria, but I'll check it up to see. But I'm pretty sure it's called Hysteria. And it was all about how during the 1800s, like the idea of a hysterical womb, right? And the idea that women just needed to orgasm because they were having something that was like, inside them right so they were so they're basically suffering mental illness due to the need to orgasm right and this was around the time when doctors like invented the first vibrator but it was this big monster of a thing because they were getting really tired of fingering women to orgasm so they're like we're tired of this you know like you know because this is like putting in real work and you know i don't know those of you who've ever fingered somebody for long periods of time you know that it takes work. Wah, 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 wah. You know, your wrist and your fingers and you start cramping up and you're, and you're trying to like, you know, be focused, but you're cramping up and it's a mess. So doctors invented the first vibrator and it was this big monster of a thing that was just like jutting out this phallus, right? And so the having the orgasm right, was seen as something that was a medical necessity because to prevent your womb from basically driving you insane because there was this idea of the wandering womb. Like the womb was just moving around your body, moving around your body. And in order to settle this wandering womb, you needed to what? You needed to have an orgasm. And so it was all about the orgasm as a cure rather than the orgasm as pleasure. Note, we have said 
two different times in history now, not once has the orgasm been something of pleasure. Now we head on to the 1940s and people were like, what, wait? Women masturbate? So now this was about like the first studies. Like, you know the way every week I I try and hit you with some studies because we need to like know that the academic realm (laughs) is supporting these vibes. So like the first studies started coming out in the 1940s. And I don't know if any of you out there have ever heard of the Keynesy Institute. They are, you know, they've done some like some some things like they've done some research, like quite a bit of my research when I first started in the sexuality and sex game. Like I'd find a lot of stuff there just based in like very heteronormative, heterosexual sex, and you'd find a lot of things there. And they still do the work to the day. So scientist Alfred Kenzie's huge sexual survey in the 1940s did quite a bit to demystify the orgasm and a lot of other sexual behavior. So in the Kenzie report, which was such a smash hit, like, you know, people loved this. They were like, whoa, mind blown, boof, 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 mind blown. And I think... Um, but I might be mistaken, right? So I, I'm not trying to spit, like, false Netflix facts here. But I think Masters of Sex on Netflix is based on this Keynesy fellow. But I shall, like, check that out during my little break. But so this report was a huge hit. And it reported on, about, amongst other things, that 40% of the women surveyed got their first orgasm from masturbation and 5% from wet dreams and that 14% had reported the phenomenon of multiple orgasm and that women's orgasmic abilities rise and rise before apparently tapering off after during the age of 50 to 60, 55 to 60 which is something that has now been debunked because apparently women start to reach their sexual prime around 40 and from then it's just like you know upwards and onwards and especially I think with women it's the more they shed the social shame of having sex and the social shame of wanting sex and liking sex that's when around 40 honeys please go get yourself a Ben 10 or a toy boy or a young thing whatever it is you want to call it go get yourself one of those because 40 is like when you're really like grabbing it or you could just have your sexual revolution right now as you sit in your chair okay now we move on to the 1960s which is the one two three four Yes, so the 1960s is the fourth point in history where the orgasm was like a thing. So the 1960s is when scientific theories were just all over the show. Like people are like, okay, so why do people orgasm? Why like why are people orgasming? What is the point of an orgasm? What should we do with the orgasm? Is the like, you know, orgasm doing anything? So in the 1967 book The Naked Ape, like who names these books? Like that's actually a really great title. Like, I'm not very good at titling things, but The Naked Ape by Desmond Morris argued that the female orgasm might have developed to make males prove that they had determination, gentleness, tenderness, and all the other qualities required to bring about all good factors in a father, in a good father for one's children. So basically, if a man made you orgasm, it meant they were a good father. Which, like, I, I get the correlation. I get the correlation. The person takes time. This man takes time. He takes effort. Like, he listens. He's engaged. And all those are all things you need in a good father. You don't want somebody who's absent, who doesn't know what's going on, who, like, comes and leaves. You know, you don't need that sort of stuff in a father. So I think, like, I can understand how this theory was, like, a female orgasm was a way to be like, ah, yes, that one. That one, he must put the seed. He must put put the seed 
indeed, we must make the babies, right? And then, however, other scientists have suggested a variety of other hypotheses, hypotheses, or hypotheses, right? That the female orgasm isn't anything to do with monogamy at all, but a way of bonding with multiple sexual partners. You see, like, I'm a fan of this one, right? And I don't know why we can't just, like, pick and choose and mix and match all of the types of, like, theories, but the second theory is that it's not about monogamy. It's about having that bond, because you know there's always that vibe where for women, sex is very emotional, sex is very, like, you know, is a big, like, emotional connection, whereas for, like, men, it's more like wham, bam, thank you, man. So I guess this is where this theory is based in, that it is a way of having multiple bonds with multiple sexual partners. And it's a way of helping fertility by sucking the sperm through the, vag the vaginal spasms. So vaginal spasms are out there just being like... I don't know if that comes across. <laughs> the sucking sound came across, but apparently vaginal orgasms were a way... Of orgasms by, you know, women were a way of sucking up the sperm and helping with fertility. And then there was also the one that having an orgasm raising, raises a woman's likelihood of having lots of sex. This one I can get behind. I can get behind because orgasms are some of the most delicious things. Like when I orgasm, I just like, I go blank. Like I just, I go blank. Like, you know, you, the house could be on fire and I'd just be like, what? Huh? Wait. And especially the more powerful the orgasm. I, I even went through a phase, which I still <clears throat> sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes I do, uh, cough, cough, where I literally just like fall asleep. I just fall asleep. So the more orgasms you have, the more likely you are to want to have sex, which kind of explains a lot of women out there, or even a lot of partners out there, who don't want to have sex for like a variety of reasons. So they'll make up all sorts of reasons. And when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, right, so like I've had conversations with a lot of people who they've raised all sorts of reasons. They don't want to have sex with their husband or their wife or whatever. And when it gets down to it, they're like, I don't enjoy the sex, right? And you'll find, and especially with women and femmes, a lot of the time the reason they don't enjoy the sex is because it's just, it's just not good. It's actually just point blank not good. It's not that they're broken. It's not at this. It's not at that. It's just point blank not good. So now when you have more orgasms, it just, like, I don't even know why it was somebody was given money to, like, come up with this hypothesis and test this hypothesis. More orga orgasms equal wanting more sex. Same way if a meal tastes nice. You're going to want to eat it again and again. So apparently, okay, so I didn't give this, this thesis, this hypothesis, like, an amount of, like, proper concentration. But apparently the likelihood of having more sex thus improving the probability that the species will survive. So you can see a lot of this orgasm talk comes down to, like, procreation. And, you know, not just, like, pure enjoyment. And it seems like for, like, ages, people haven't been enjoying orgasms for the sake of enjoying orgasms. It's always been like, what is the point? What is the point? What is the point? But if you look, it's always looking at women's orgasms and trying to find out what the point of women's orgasms are. People are shook. People are legitimately shook. So these four points in history, medieval times, the 1800s, the 1940s, the 1960s, have all focused on what is the procreational reason for a woman having an orgasm, right? So it can't just be like, ah, she likes nice things, she likes nice things. But then again, women who did like nice things were just called loose, which they still are, but 
it's always been just about, okay, how does this help in the baby-making process, right? Until we reach the 2000s. Ah, the 2000s are so kind, so, so kind to us. Wait, oh, somebody's popped in. So, yes, so until we reach the 2000s in which it became all about the health benefits. I'm sure, like, if you've skulked any part of sex-positive internet, the sex-positive interwebs, you would have found that people are like, hey, you know what, having orgasms can help with period pains. Having orgasms, you know, can help lift your mood because it, it it produces all sorts of endorphins like it can help with like flexibility it can help with um strength it can help with because even with the way you move your muscles during sex it's a case of like your internal muscles your kegels there's a way that it helps you know it can help you know in the future with incontinence so you know when your muscles aren't as strong if you were using them well when you were younger it can help with those things so Scientists are now lining up, well, in the 2000s. Yeah, no, we're still in the 2000s. It's 2020. So scientists in the 2000s are lining up to prove that there are sexual, like there are health benefits for having orgasms, that it's not all about like how good does it make you of a baby maker, that there are actually good health benefits to it, right? Are there bad health benefits? I don't even know. But so it didn't have to be about specific sexual or reproductive functions. It can just be for like, for fun, right? So orgasms in women have, amongst other things, been discovered to improve mood and emotional closeness, regulate menstruation. Like, I feel like I need this because my period is all over the show the last three months. No, not three months, the last three years. My bad. My period is all over over the show. So if it's helping regulate menstruation, I can get behind that. Improve brain function now, you see. You see. This is for the good of the planet. Now, smarter people do better things, make better choices, vote better people in, all those things. So it can help improve brain function, boost white blood cell levels, and immune systems. You can fight a cold by coming. There you go. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) This is not... This is not medical advice, but you can fight a cold by coming, according to the internet. But then again, the internet also has WebMD. And also help with pain, which is the one that I said before, because it's apparently supposed to help alleviate period pain. That's the one I've seen a lot, that if you're having period pains, then and you're part of Team Lay Lay Down a Towel. I don't know if everyone knows what Team Lay Down a Towel is, but for those of you who don't know, it is when you are having sex and the person you are having sex with is on their period and you're like, hmm, what should we do? We don't want to wreck the sheets, so you lay down a towel. It doesn't always work. It doesn't work as well as people pertain that it does, but it's still a good vibe. It's still a good vibe, and there's nothing wrong with having sex with somebody when they're on their period. Don't be grossed out. Don't be icked out. Periods are normal. Periods are healthy. So those are the things, right? And then now we get to squirting, because I think now I've just been talking about general orgasms, but squirting is a part of orgasms. A part, right? It is not the like be all end all of orgasms because porn has told us how, you know, squirting is this big thing and it shows like, you know, you're like done amazing things in bed. And if the person didn't squirt, then did did you really have sex? Because I had a friend who used to be able to squirt like 
all the time. Like, could do it to herself. Actually, used to be able to show her partners. Like, there, this is what you do. Bam, 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 squirt. And it was always like, a, have to change the sheets afterwards. There wasn't even that like thing of like, oh, just lay down and scooch. Because she'd like, really give like the squirting a vibe. And then, when she was not in like the best of sexual spaces and things, the squirting wasn't there as much. And the partner used to feel some type of way. But it was a case of like, squirting is not the be or end all. Sometimes you can even squirt when you're not even that into the sex because there are the mechanics to it. So making squirting like the sexual goal is really just not a good look. It's just one thing, one fun thing that can happen. And if you don't have spare sheets, try not to do it, hey? Because no one wants to sleep on like that proper mattress part. No one wants to sleep on that. But yeah, so there are myths about squirting, right? And I think, not okay, let me not say myths, but origin stories. And I love the one origin story that I love the most hails from Rwanda. And it was says that the technique has some like very regal, origins to it and is traced back to the third dynasty rule of the Rwandan monarchy. So legend has it that the queen would demand her royal guards make love to her when her husband, the king, yeah, was out like shooting things, well not shooting things, maybe arrows, but out fighting things and killing things and fighting wars and during these military campaigns. So you know military campaigns, it's not like you go in the morning, you come back in the evening, you're gone for like long stretches of time, right? So according to folklore, the god who one god who she like summoned to her boudoir, her royal chambers, whatever they looked like in like old Rwandan like regal times, right? One god who she summoned was so terrified of the prospect of not making her come that he began to tremble, like, you know, just like shake, just like really tremble. Because, you know, you mess these things up with like a queen, like this might not end well for you, right? So this homie is trembling and shaking uncontrollably. And instead of entering her, the poor terrified god began to rhythmically rub his manhood in a tapping motion against her labia and clitoris. And... This technique, well, she then orgasmed, and apparently she also squirted, like, later on. So this technique became known as kunyaza, right? So this is how you spell it, K-U-N-Y-A-Z-A. So the legend goes that, on the ta- that the tapping motion provoked an explosion of, la- of a large quantity of water from the queen, which was called kunyara. I love that. I love that. It was called Kunyara, K-U-N-Y-A-R-A. And so that is the origin story of squirting that we are going to hold on to. So I'm going to pay you a jam now. Uh, it is Gobe by Davido. The time is 2021, and so we're just going to take us a short break. Remember, you can still find us on the interwebs on at TransAfrica872 and then that's Twitter. And then on Instagram is Trans Africa Radio. I'm on Twitter as well, even though sometimes I don't check Twitter because Twitter is a messy place. But I'm on Twitter at, at Tiff Mugo. And on Instagram, this show has like a really fun Instagram account that is yet to be shut down, which is very, very exciting. And that Instagram is the sheets under slash show. T H E S S H E T S under slash show. And so I'm just going to play you a young jam right now. This is Davido. This is Transafrica Radio.
Trans Africa Radio, made in Africa. Ain't that song just so sad? Like, I when I picked it for this like episode, this show, this segment, this whatever this vibe is, I didn't know it was so sad. Like you know when you hear a song in the background, you're like, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I did not know it was so sad. I was reading the lyrics because when I was playing it from, it has the lyrics pop up and I'm just like, whoa, okay. So you're just like drinking through the pain, huh? That's what you're doing right now. Anyway, you are tuned in to Trans Africa Radio and this is me, Tiff, your host, Tiff in the streets, your empress from the east. And this right here, this right here is between the sheets. It has just gone 2029. Central African time and I must always, always remind you about the social media things because I stay forgetting to remind people about the phone number. I always forget. I always forget. But the phone number is plus two seven seven nine two five four four three two nine. You can WhatsApp me on that number. Once again, it is plus two seven seven nine two five four four three to nine and Twitter Trans Africa eight seven two, Instagram Trans Africa Radio. Come vibe with us. This particular show has the Sheets Show, the Sheets under slash Show. That's the Instagram for here, where you can find all sorts of fun, funky things. And tonight, tonight, what we are talking about is squirting. So thus far, I've talked about the history of the female vulva-based orgasm, the five points in history, and then I've also talked about the myths. So now it's time to get down to the squirting, hey? The squirting science, the science of squirting. What is it exactly? That's the question. Like, people are like, the jury is still out. Everyone's still feeling some type of way. So there's, like, not just one thing, right? Like, there's not just one idea, right? So there's the first idea. Squirting is when fluid is released from the bladder during any point of sexual excitement, stimulation, or orgasm. So that, that is the first one. So it's, re- it's fluid released from the bladder. No one said it's pee. Please listen. Listen. No one said it's pee, right? This first one does not say it's pee. The second, the second theory is it's female ejaculate. Female ejaculate is a small amount of thick whitish fluid secreted around the time of orgasm. It comes from the glands within the er, from the glands within the erectile tissue around the urethra that are comparable to the male prostate, and it is even it even contains prostate specific antigen. That was a lot of science. Ooh, I'm tired. Yeah, that was a lot of science. So this whole vibe is that it comes from glands within the erectile tissue around the urethra that is comparable to the male prostate. Yes. These are things, this is a different thing to a bladder. This is a different thing to peeing. And I think the reason we should all move away from the peeing thing, right? Because one of the studies, one of the very early studies done around squirting is they asked women who exhibited squirting tendencies. They asked those women to completely drain their bladder, like completely drain. And then they did an ultrasound just in case anyone was lying. Hey, anyone was lying about that bladder emptying thing. They did an ultrasound to check that the bladder was empty. And it was, but they still squirted. And also another thing about squirting and it being pee. So anyone who tries to shame somebody else for squirting and is like, no, it's pee. You don't even know what's up with your own body. Smell it. Have you ever peed a bed? Have you ever peed a bed? I'm sure you have when you were small. Or even smelled somebody older. Like, you know, when you were older and you smelled somebody pee a bed, you would know. 
you would know instantly if somebody had peed that bed. But scorching, it's usually odorless, like it doesn't come out like that yellow that, you know, nicely stains the mattress. Because like the way I told you at the top of this thing, uh, the first time I squirted, there was nothing. Like, because I changed my sheets, I was panicking. I'm like, oh my gosh, my roommate's going to come home and smell pee. But then when I got back, because I actually kicked the person out of my building. And you know, sometimes when you like kick somebody out of like a res building, you've got to take them all the way out, which was such an awkward, like, like, you know, exit because they're like, no, you didn't, you didn't pee, you squirted, you didn't pee, you squirted. I'm like, get out, get out, get out of my house, get out now. Like, I don't need this. I need to go clean my house. Just get out. And so when I went back to my house, even though I was like panic cleaning everything, nowhere smelled of pee. Nothing was stained. It is fine. So this whole thing of like squirting is just pee, what, what, what. I've seen all the things on the internet. It's just a mess, right? And I think we should go with the third hypothesis which is, do we care? Do we actually care what squirting is? Because a lot of the time, a lot of the time, not all of the time, please note, a lot of the time it comes parallel to, it comes parallel to, you know, a really great sexual experience. Because that time when I squirted, like, I think I started smelling colors and, you know, hearing like sights and smelling like red it was it was a mess right so it usually comes with a really great sexual experience so the question is do we care the thing is right clearly we don't because people seem to really really love squirting and oh we got a, I think we may have gotten our first sms how exciting but people seem to really 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 love squirting because on Pornhub, because, you know, Pornhub really tells us what our tastes are, because Pornhub has the data of billions, billions of people watching sexual things. And according to Pornhub data and analysts, women are 44% more likely to search for squirting videos as compared to men. Let me tell you that number one more time. 44% more likely, not 44% of women, 44% more likely. So those of you who are good at maths out here, do the damn maths. 44% more likely to search for squirting videos as compared to men. And the popularity, the popularity of squirting decreases with age. So apparently the older you are, the less likely you are to search for squirting videos. And worldwide visitors from Colombia are far more likely to search for squirting videos than any other country, as are visitors from South Africa. Congratulations, you always come on that list. South Africans know you always pop up on Pornhub lists, always standard. So South Africa, Venezuela, Vietnam, and Slovakia. I don't know what the common denominator here is, but... Those are the ones that have come in. So now the question is to squirt or not to squirt. Now, the one thing, like I said at the top of the vibe, because you must always give these caveats with sex. Sex is so like, you know, it's so, I don't know how to, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, English has left me. It's so broad. And there's so many different likes and dislikes. So Again, I need to just make the statement now that squirting, it doesn't have to be for everyone, right? It must not now, you must not listen to this now and be like, yeah, now what I want to do is I want to just like squirt all the time. That's not how it's going to happen. So being able to squirt doesn't automatically me mean that you win the epic battle of the orgasms. You don't go and now be like, oh, you know, 
your, your honey doesn't squirt, my honey squirts, ergo, you're bad in bed, right? Because squirting is not always like an indicator of incredible sex. And not everyone can squirt. That's another thing. Not everyone can squirt. Not being able to squirt doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's a problem. Some people can squirt, some people can't. Also, it's a technique thing. It is a comfort thing because you need to really, really be relaxed to squirt. Like, it's not one of those things that, you know, you just, you're all tense and you're like, holding yourself and then you're just going to squirt. That's not how it works. You need to actually seriously relax. So you just have to know that squirting is not the be-all, end-all. I know I'm going to spend an hour talking about squirting, talking about squirting in relation to orgasming, but it's not the be-all, end-all. So like what often stops a lot of people from squirting is actually the pressure of wanting to squirt or the pressure of like the shame of it, right? So now you're like, no, now if I squirt, he's going to think that you know, or he or she or they are going to think that I've peed the bed or they're going to think that I'm loose because there's also that idea of people with vulvas who have like, who get really wet that, oh no, they must know too much about sex. They must like sex too much. They must this, they must that, they must this, they must that. But that's not how it goes. So once you let go of all of that shame and also all the fears and also just like, you know, just the consciousness of your body because you know people get really body conscious during sex once you let all of that go then you can start having like some next level sexual experiences and yeah so now I guess what would be proper is to tell you how to squirt huh so now like the way I said squirting it's not an exact science right that's the thing about squirting it's really not an exact science it's one of those things where you really need to relax you really need to relax you need to like sit in yourself, get into yourself. Um, I would also suggest having the conversation with your partner beforehand, um, not to put pressure, not to be like, you better make me squirt or it's going to be some mess or you better squirt or it's going to be some mess. Like actually sitting and having the conversation and being like, okay, so this is what I'd like to explore. This is what I'd like to do. Also, Pornhub lies to you. Pornhub statistics, yes, sure, a lot of people are wanting to squirt. A lot of people are looking for that vibe. But Pornhub also lies to you. It gives the impression that people squirt all the time and like every single time it happens, then it'll happen. But that is not the case in any way, shape or form. So now I'm going to tell you how to do the squirting thing and so like I said please try and have the conversation beforehand like I'm always encouraging folks please try and talk about the sex before you have the sex it makes the sex a lot easier actually if you just have the sex and no <laughs> if you not have the sex sorry my brain just went that way left then came back if you have the conversation before you have the sex it makes everything a lot easier because you don't want to surprise anyone because you also don't want to be trying something and the person's uncomfortable with it because really, technically, everything that you try in bed, you really should have a conversation about it beforehand. It, it really does make it easier because then people can tell you what they're into, what they're not into, what they're willing to try. And so there's no like slippy, slidey, messy things. Well, sex will always be messy, but no slippy, slidey, messy things. So, like I said, for those of you who missed it, kunyaza. Right? So I'm going to give the kunyaza technique because we must keep things local. We must keep things African. We must keep things here, you know, right here. That's where we need to keep things. So 
Kunyaza is when the person with a penis rhythmically and continuously strikes the glands of the clitoris and vulva with their erect penis, which they hold between the index and middle finger, moving this like moving in the same motion up to the to the top and to the bottom. So you like slide it up and down, up and down, up and down, and left to right in a circular motion. So you up and down, so it's almost like you're going round and round and round in that just general clitoral vulvar opening area. I don't know. Mm, see, now, how do you do these things over the radio? So just take it and hold it, right? Index, index finger, right? Index and middle finger, and round and round. Just try it by yourself. If you're by yourself, if you're in public, please don't do this, but if you're by yourself, index and middle finger, put the penis between that and just take it round and round. So this practice consists of a combination of teasing and massaging the female genitalia with the aid of lubrication if required to heighten the arousal of that person who owns said What's it? Said vulva. So like, so like I always think that people should always include lube. Like I think lube should be like just a standard thing in any sexual experience. But do try and practice it with lube. So like just a little dab on there and then just round and round, round and round, round and round. So there's also the tapping. Do remember that there's also the, just the tapping. Just tapping on the on the the lobby and the clitoris, just a light, light, light tapping. Get a little bit quicker, a little bit quicker. This is going to take some practice, right? It's going to take some practice because it does take some coordination, some coordination because you're guiding your penis in a way that is not the way you always do it. So this is going to take some coordination. So granted, the technique of making it happen will differ, right, from person to person. So maybe just try a number of things. Also, what helps with squirting is inserting the index and middle finger, always the index and middle finger, into the vagina. And you know that come here, the motion. Like, you know when you tell somebody come here with just the index finger. Now do that with both. Try and get in deep and you'll feel like a, just a rough part at the back there. Try and stroke that in the, like a come here motion. But... Those are the two techniques that I have on hand. I know there are a whole, whole bunch more out there. And yeah, no, that is your homework. That is your homework. Number one, the first piece of homework is go and Google the Kunyaza myth. Well, not myth, the Kunyaza origin story, because it's actually a really great story. And it's not one that is well known. I know there's a couple of... Videos. I think I've seen one BBC video. <laughs> yes, BBC made a video um, talking to men about it and talking about how, you know, it's the most amazing thing and how, you know, the, the myth around it is that when a woman squirts, it's how the rivers are replenished. So there's that part of the myth. And then there's also the one about the queen and her, you know, like Calvary of lovers, literally like a whole team of lovers. Um, so go, go and Google that because we must know our continental history, my folks. And then the next thing is go and Google how to do it. Because I would not recommend just Googling squirting because that's not a real thing. You can't just Google squirting and be like, hey, yeah. No, because everything that will come up is just like these like problematic porn videos, but that's not really the energy you need. 
there are very specific things you need to Google. So I would Google, and I know a lot of you out there are going to be like, no, I don't want to Google this, but Google feminist and squirting because that will actually take you to step-by-step, really, really good, articulate articles about how to do it. Because the thing is about porn is it'll give you a really just... I don't know, like a condensed version, right? And nine times out of ten, like the person already knows how to squirt on cue because it's your job. It's your job. I was I was watching this um, video about about a porn star and they were talking about their life and they were talking about the vibe and how they can actually squirt on cue. So seeing as you're not quite a professional yet and it is not your whole entire job, I would recommend just Googling how to squirt feminist. And then you will also you will get a whole slew of amazing articles breaking it down about how to do it, how to do it by yourself. I would also very much recommend before you try it with a partner, try and do it with yourself. Try and do it with yourself. Like so once you know like how it happens for you, get into that vibe, get into that groove and just like do it for yourself and it'll be absolutely amazing. I promise you. Yes. And then, you know, also have some spare sheets on hand. So your homework, like I'm going to repeat, because we always need to do the homework, guys. We need to do the work. So your homework is practice the Kunyaza technique, number one, and then also Google the Kunyaza legend, because I think it's a really incredible legend. Try and find the videos about it. Try and find the stories about it. And when you find them, please tweet me, at Tiff Mugo, and just tag me and be like, hey, I found this, or even slide into the DMs. My DMs are always open. Be like, I, I found the video, because when I was doing my research, I only found like two or three articles. But I've heard about it from a lot of people, because it's generally an East African thing. As far as I've picked up, I don't know whether the rest of the continent has a whole vibe with it, but the whole thing of squirting and involving the lips and the labia and all those things within like sex rather than just like entering quickly is a very East African thing as far as I can see, but it has not been documented well enough in my view. So if anyone can find more stuff, because I am not the best Googler at all, I am an okay researcher, but seeing as my Google is my platform, there's nothing I can do. So that is your homework. I am going to leave you now. I'm going to leave you with a couple of songs. I'm going to leave you with Lyra, and I can't say the name, Ikresha, and Amanda Black, Crush. And it has been so great hanging with you today. It has been so great chatting about squirting. Please go and try and find out more about it. But until then, and until next week, keep it safe, keep it sexy, and most of all, keep it consensual. Good night. Hey, it's your favorite, favorite playmate. Favorite playmate. Tiffany Kogeremo. Tiffany Kogeremo. Tiff in the streets, your empress from the east. Join me every Thursday from 8 to 9 p.m. Central African time. On your favorite show, Between the Sheets. Get ready for an orgasmic ride. We're going to talk about all the things that I've always wanted tonight. Trans Africa Radio, Radio. 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 Radio.